Buzzard podcast on the planet. This is Buzzardry. Here are your hosts, Ben Milam and Patrick McGee. And we are back with another live episode of Buzzardry. My name is Ben Milam here with my partner, Patrick McGee. Patrick, how you doing? Doing all right. Glad to be on. And um, I have the Sunday scaries, the post, post-game post day Sunday scaries, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one. Another frustrating loss, one that I feel like is a, is a great picture of just this season and the state of the program where you just don't catch any breaks whatsoever, and – you lose um, a really important game. One we talked about was maybe, uh, to me, was maybe the most important game on the schedule because it sets you up for conference play and, and tells you a lot about this team and how competitive you can expect them to be. And you lose twenty four nineteen. So what what stood out to you? Yeah, well, it yeah, I guess. Early in the game, obviously, was the story where you had keys go out, and then you had Lang, who came in and played well, considering. He did. I mean, uh, I mean, just the background. He was a guy probably maybe fifth string to start the year. Yes. I would, yeah. um, uh, a walk-on, was back up in high school. And, uh, I mean, he honestly played the best game of any quarterback this year, I would have to say, um, I think. I'd have to look at the numbers. but um, He did. I mean, over – I believe it was over 60% completion percentage. I think that's the first time um, that, that a Southern Miss quarterback has done that this year. Mm-hmm. Over 300 yards, right, certainly right, the right. first time that's yeah. happened. And, um, yeah, I thought, thought he came in and competed well. You, you go back to, you, you know, probably more, even more of a base offense with him in there. And, and obviously he hasn't been running with the ones. He's, he was named the backup um, on the depth chart right. Tuesday, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, as far as what you expect out of a fifth-string guy – and um, or a guy who was fifth string, and a, a, yet another freshman come in there and throw for three hundred plus, and uh, engineer some some great drives, productive drives that unfortunately ended on some bad throws, and um, you know four total interceptions, four turnovers to zero. You know you're, you're yeah. minus four in the turnover margin. Uh, you're not going to win a lot of games like that, but you you can you can still. I, I feel like there are a lot of positives you can point to. Once again, you're still, you know, in it until the very end, uh, even with those four turnovers. And, yeah, you just you just don't catch any breaks whatsoever, and you, you really have it all year long. Um, and so it's frustrating. Yeah, I mean, just thinking of those breaks, you know, that kick that Rice. First, I think it was the first career attempt goes off the uh, off the crossbar, mm-hmm. and that was just a classic only Southern Miss uh, thing. Um yeah, but I mean, Lang played. Considering the circumstances, I thought he played all right. Um, yeah. You know, he had a couple of YOLO balls where he kind of threw it in a triple coverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's you know, first time he's really played since high school. Um, I, I don't think he's taken a snap at uh, at USM. Has he? He's okay. not right. No. So, no. Um, so yeah, it's just it's it's frustrating overall. Um, 
but I think, uh, you know, we kind of set it up to the tour game, and then maybe we got our hopes up a little bit because he showed some things against Alabama. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you're kind of looking at another, another 2014-type season where you're going to win probably three or four games. And um, I mean, that's a year ahead of where Munkin was in his first year where he only won one game. You know, I think some people – I think I think it's closer to 2014 than 2013 just in terms of the 2014 uh, is at least competitive, whereas the 2013 team was kind of just getting beat by 30 or 40, 50 points every single week. So I think uh, I think Hall is a year ahead of where Munkin was in his first year. Um, but there is still definitely a, uh, a, re- a rebuild process that's going to be underway uh, this year and next year to turn it around and uh, get compete for uh, championships again. So, yeah. Sure, and, and we – we talked about, um, you know, how or I, I briefly mentioned that the argument could be made that Hobson was worse for the program than Ellis Johnson. So, and there were some tweets out there that, yes. were, that were, you know, saying that that was true. And, and yeah, and I think you have to revisit that. I, I, I think the culture is, is definitely improved. I think that's that's the best thing Coach Hall has done is improve – um, the culture and you know his big thing is attitude and, and you see even in the post games uh, with what Lang said last night and you know taking the blame on himself and saying you know just I don't think you you see the kind of reaction with you know you're sitting one and four you haven't met the expectations you've been bad across the board on offense and now you're on your third quarterback um, the guy who was going to be your backup quarterback. Jack Walker, you know, is, is banged up. And so he, um, you know, he probably would have been the guy to go in. And, and so you've, you know, you can really go through your first three quarterbacks. And a guy in T-Webb, um, you know, just, just hasn't gotten to the point where he can go in there and compete. Um, and so there's, there's frustration on all sides. But I still th- see – I think it's evident that the culture is changing and has improved. But – there's also you, – you can't turn around a frayed culture that Hobson left behind and, and also, you know, make up for the ground in lack of talent, which, again, Hobson left behind in one offseason. And as frustra- frustrating as it is, you know, for, for this, this long decade, save 2015, people are tired of – had a friend saying, I'm going to get uh, – this is a rebuilding year tattooed on my forehead um, because that's it. What that's what it feels like every single year, and so the impatience um, is warranted to me, um, and that doesn't make it any easier. But yeah, I, I think you're I think you're spot on. I think um, this that's just what it is. It's it's you're rebuilding and you are missing a lot of the factors you need uh, to be competitive, even in a below average conference, and so I, I still. I still think there's some positives you can pull out of this. There's the season is not lost. Um, you can build there. Are, there are a lot of things you can build on. You know, we'll see what you know. Uh, the official uh, indication is on how serious Taiki's injury is, but if he it, it, say hypothetically he's out for the year, you feel like you have a guy in Lang who can compete and. You know, there's some things that that you can maybe there's a foundation there um, that you can build a competitive offense on, um, and so you know this is this is not a season you throw in the trash. There's still some things that you can build on going into next year, um, which is is necessary 
um, to you know build this program, get it, get it back on the right track. Yeah, and uh, the thing about the um, oh, did we get a funny comment? <laughs> we got a comment. Oh. Jonathan, Jonathan Brent says, "It's is it okay to cry only five games into the year?" <laughs> I would say I would say yes, it's okay. Let it out. Um, that's the most emotionally healthy thing you can do at this point. Um, is is to, yeah, that's how you heal is to let it out. So let it out, Jonathan. I'm sure you're not the only one. Yeah. Well, the thing about the culture is like there's a lot more buy-in. I mean, you see it on social media from all the players, but like you can't yeah. win games just based on culture. You gotta have yes. oh, hundred <laughs> percent. You gotta have the you know the players influx of players and uh, you know that kind of thing, recruiting and development and all that. It goes into that in terms of um, winning games. But with Keys, I think you know I think everybody would agree Keys is the future. So you, you hope that his injury is not serious. He can get as many reps yes. as possible, kind of like Mullins mm-hmm. did in 2013. But, yeah, Lang, uh, he's a guy – I think he can operate the offense, at least in some form. I, I don't think he has a huge arm, but he's he's looked pretty accurate for the most part. I mean, he, like you said, he had a couple of bad decisions. But, I mean, he threw some pretty good balls in there. Um, so I think you can operate a uh, an offense around him. Mm-hmm. Um you know, maybe not quite as much with as you would with Keys, just because Keys has some really good arm strength. But um, yeah, I mean, he can, uh, yeah, accurate passer from what I can tell. And um, so yeah, we'll see. I guess I mean we didn't hear anything from Hall about um how um severe the injury is for uh for Keys. So maybe we'll hear something about that either Monday or Tuesday. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, you can't. Can't win, even though the culture, the buy-in is, uh, you know, miles ahead where it was under the old staff. You can't win games solely off that. So um, yeah, but that's that's. It's also the, I mean, in terms of rebuilding, you have to build that foundation right, first. Right. Exactly. And that right. you know that will result in uh, you know you, you recruit better typically when the culture is is positive and you're moving in that direction. The class you have committed currently um, has a lot of talented guys and. Um, you know, hopefully you add to that uh, as you get closer to signing day. And um, and so, yeah, I, I think that foundation is being built. Um, you know, Munkin had maybe more of an intense rebuild um, just because of how, you know, all the all – the, um, all the people that left and right, the scholarship numbers aren't nearly as dire. Yes, and it, yeah, and it won't take you three or four years like it did Munkin to build back up to eighty-five um, in a full roster that you feel good about. Um, so yes, I, I think Hall is is further ahead uh, in that regard. And so, yeah, now you go, you you come back home, and I believe the opening line. UTEP favored by one. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. And so, which is, you know, that, that's another frustrating thing is you're <laughs> at home and you're the underdog to UTEP. UTEP comes in at four and one, and that's not a bad team. But now you look at the rest of the schedule and there are no sure wins. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think you look at UTEP as one of your mo- more winnable games. I know UTEP is four and one, but. I was looking at, you know, beside the S&P. They were like 4-1, but they were like 113. Yeah, They're the barely beating some – Well, I was just going to say Old Dominions. You know, that's that's not a oh, yeah. great right. win. <laughs> right. And they, and they barely beat them, I think, at home. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're 4-1, but they're not – I mean, I think if they had played our schedule, they would be – I mean, maybe 1-4. Um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they would have beaten Rice on the road. Uh, who knows? But um, I don't – 
because you know they played New Mexico State, they played New Mexico, Old Dominion, and then their other win was um, Bethune Cookman, which is FCS. So yeah, I mean they have four really weak wins. Um, so I think you know we say it every I mean, every game. You know it was before the year where they said like nine of our games were projected to be within single digits or something like that. This is another one of those kind of coin flip, uh, coin flippy games where. Uh, you really feel like it could go either way. But then after that, you get UAB, which is going to be tough. Right. Um, then you have the bye. Then you have Middle Tennessee, um, who looks looks a little better. Uh, they It's on the road. They beat Marshall yesterday. So, I mean, I think the games you look at going forward that are the most winnable are this upcoming one against UTEP, um, FIU at home, mm-hmm. and um, – North Texas. Yeah, North Texas at yeah. home. That's another one. Um, and then – MTSU, that'd be a little tougher. And then you have those three games, um, UAB at home, at La Tech, and uh, at UTSA, where you feel like you'll probably be double-digit underdogs. Um, two of those on the road, those are going to be tough to win. So you, you feel like in a best-case scenario, you get to four or five wins, uh, I think, just kind of looking at the schedule and uh, seeing how the team has done thus far and taking account all the injuries and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Sure, and if you get and, you know if you get keys back, and you know there are a lot of things that, that could – change the direction you know you 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 talk about those three or four wins that are are still winnable and then maybe you go get one that you're not supposed to so six wins yes you know looks a a lot more difficult at this point but still not out of the question again this is not a lost season Tyke's absolutely uh, to me is the future but one of one of the most frustrating things to me um for southern miss fans is you know, there was, there was talk about it, and, and I was one of these people who were saying this this might be the most talented quarterback room we've had in a long time because you have Trey Lowe, you know, who, who you know, we talked about the gap that was there, really nailed down that starting spot early. And behind him, T. Webb, who, you know, a very, very talented quarterback, highly recruited out of high school, Louisville transfer. You expect him to come in. And push Trey Low, and then you get, you know, the the, the uh, highly recruited Ty Keys, who you think maybe you know is the future down the road, and also a guy who can come in and compete immediately. Uh, and so it's you know really those top three guys, and then you throw in Jack Walker, uh, who was also good in high school, and then you lose all four of those guys, <laughs> and so it's it's, yeah. it's just a just bad breaks all around. Um, but but. Talking about that, I, I had this question or had this conversation um, with somebody. I forget who it was. I guess it was last night. Um, do you do you go because you bring in Zach Wilkie, committed quarterback uh, at a Hernando High School, um, rated by some publications one of the one of the top ten or fifteen quarterbacks in Mississippi, and so another guy, very talented, who you know think you think maybe um, we'll be able to come in and, and compete for a starting position, especially now with the quarterback room in such disarray. But do you, do you go – say there there's a guy in the transfer portal who has a year or two to play and you think can come in and immediately help you. Do you go get a guy like that at this point? I don't know. I was thinking about that last night. I was, I was talking to somebody and I was kind of joking. Like I feel like every year there's like a backup in the Big 12 or something from like – 
some school and like usually like a Texas Tech or Oklahoma State and like they had one big game against Texas where they threw for like 450 yards like oh this guy he's and then he goes and lights the world on fire at some G5 school right and um I think that's the kind of guy we probably should have brought in last year because you know like you said we had three or four guys that were pretty high I mean at least mid to high three-star type guys out of high school but none of them had like really much experience at all just mm-hmm. in terms of, uh in games so yeah I mean I would maybe look at a um I would maybe look at a grad transfer that would have like maybe one year to play mm-hmm. as almost like a stopgap if you don't think you have somebody that can get it done for you next year. Um, if you still think Keys needs another year to develop or, or something like that, um, I I, I want to get a younger. Um, I'd get a yeah, basically maybe some guy from like FCS like um, Western Kentucky did. That's like a grad transfer, one year to play. Um, so yeah, more more of a stopgap than a long term thing because I sure, think you sure, still. Sure. Uh, you got guys like Keys, and then you said Wilkie coming in that I think could be the future and play for you know several start several years here. So yeah, it's just a guy that brings in s- some experience, right? Right. Uh, you know who who's been successful for multiple years, uh, be it at a Power Five or an FCS, wherever it is. I think would be a big boost. Um, and so if you know that that guy is not always out there and. Um, and that's dependent on the progress Keys makes if he if he's able to come back. If you feel good enough about Keys and you have Wilkie coming in, um, and then hopefully you get Trey Low back uh, next year um, again, you would you, you would feel. And you good still got about, Lang too, and you got yeah, Lang going, and you Jack, go. Jack Walker. Um, if he if he stays at quarterback, um, I think it's been reported. Well, I I won't. I guess publicly comment on his injury but um but yeah it's so it's dependent on those on those injuries and those guys coming back and how they progress and you would once again if you get those guys back healthy feel pretty good about the pieces you have at quarterback so maybe that maybe a transfer is not a necessary thing It's, it's certainly you know based on the circumstances through the end of the year um but that, yeah, just the, the whole dynamic and uh, feeling of what you have in the quarterback room is, is totally just taking a 180-degree turn, which is, is really uh, frustrating and disappointing and um, makes it that much harder for Coach Hall and his staff to, to really implement that offense and right. that system, offensively at least. And so, um, yeah, that's there are a lot of things that have to fall in place um, you know, before you, you, you really start thinking about that. Um, defense, you could say maybe took a small step back. But, again, they were – I mean, you give up just over 300 yards, and you're still in the – it's still a one-score score game. So, I think they were good enough to win, but they, they have just – they've set this standard mm-hmm. of, um, you know, outside of the Alabama game that they didn't really meet, which is hard to meet every single game. But mm-hmm. Um, thought thought defense was good enough. Yeah, it kept us in the game because it was twenty four to seven, and at that point, I was like, "Well, there's really no way we can come back now, right?" Because you know the offense hadn't done much, and then you get the special teams touchdown just like that. And uh, I mean, the defense kept getting stops to keep us to keep the offense in the game. So I think the defense was a little shaky there. Maybe for the first two and a half quarters, they really did uh, step it up there in the last quarter and a half to keep you uh, keep you competitive, keeping the game, give you a chance to win the game. Um, so I think, you know, the defense, they're, they've been one of the positives uh, for this season. And they're kind of, in terms of the problems wrong with the team, I think they're way down there. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's, uh, it is, it has been 
the one constant. Um, yes, special teams. You have the Cam Harrell, the Cam Cameron Harrell. They uh, were really struggling with that on the broadcast last night. Somebody didn't give them the pronunciation sheet, uh, <laughs> sheet which you. Maybe you wouldn't need one for that name. But anyways, that was just kind of funny. But he has the kickoff return for a TD. And um, Mason Hunt had his worst day. Uh, and it, it's a it's a trickle down of, you know, if you, if you continually can't get things going on offense and you deal with these mm-hmm. big key injuries, then that just, you know, that, that shoots down confidence uh, for everyone in every unit of the team. So that may have been a product of that. Uh, but I, I, I don't expect that to be. Uh, a theme. I, th- I think Mason Hunt is. Um, I think he's shown himself as you know being one of the better punters in the country, and um, I think he'll he'll get back to that next week. Um, if you have uh, if you have a question or a comment or a grievance, uh, leave it in our comments on uh, the live stream. Um, or can I can I? Or yeah, you're going to say something? Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so a lot of people were saying. Uh, so Hall, like if you think about it, he wears a lot of hats for the team. Like so he's the head coach. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. He's the OC and the quarterback coach. A lot of people are saying, well, does he need to, you know, hire some people to like take some of this, um, some of the weight, I guess, off his shoulders in terms of all the jobs he's doing? You know, should he bring in an OC? Should he bring in a quarterback coach? Um, I think calling plays is something he really likes. I, I was listening to an interview. I can't remember who he was with, but he was just talking about like, you know, he, he wanted to keep calling plays and be hands-on with the quarterback. So, I, I don't think that's something he'll do after this year. But um, no. kind of like Munkin did after the second year where it really wasn't coming together, he hired, or he let uh, Lindsey call plays. So, I don't know. Just throw your thoughts on that, I guess, in terms of all the, uh, you know, all the jobs that Hall has. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure that is uh, a leading factor in the struggles of the offense because he has – you know, when he was a head coach, and you could you can make the argument that Division One football is is a lot different. But uh, I would point, you know, a guy like Gus Malzahn, who uh, has typically called plays his whole career and then gave it up. Um, I forget what years those were, and it was really bad. And so he went back to calling plays and said, he, you know, he will always, you know, for the rest of his coaching career, will call plays. So that that works uh, for some guys, but. Yeah, I, I think there may be something to having an, an OC to where you don't have to have your hand in every bit uh, of the offense, um, you know, in, in game prep and practice and, and in game, uh, that might help. Um, but you know, I, I really don't think that is um, – I don't think that's a leading factor. You do have an offense somebody, – somebody said we don't have an offensive line coach. We do have an offensive line coach. Um, and so Coach Hall is not coaching every unit yeah. of the offense. Um, that would be too much. Yeah, but, yeah, I agree. I don't think, it, at least at this year, I don't think he's going to make any changes to that. I think when he, when he first, when Hall first got the job, the rumor was, it ended up not happening, but Football Scoop had an article that he was going to bring in Sam Gregg as OC, who is the um, offensive line coach at, uh, at Liberty with uh, Hugh Freeze. And uh, him and Hall are both from Amory, and they had coached together, I guess, at maybe West Georgia. So that was one of the rumors. I don't know. I mean, that probably would have – been a situation where like maybe Greg was if he was the OC it'd be like a non-play calling OC where he's very much involved in terms of just uh, like game planning that kind of thing but doesn't have a whole lot of uh, like play calling responsibilities but I, yeah I don't think you'll see a change in that at least this year um, and to me it's one of the encouraging things that, that you you kind of hang your hat on if you are um, 
if you are frustrated, like probably every Southern Miss fan is, is Coach Hall is not stubborn to a fault. You know, he is, he's talked about, even in just the way he approaches offense, if, if we're getting stopped in one aspect of the game, we'll move, another, move to another one. We're going to do what we can do and take what the defense gives us. And I think that prop, that stretches, too, to his, his staff and how he approaches just running the program in general. And so, to me, I trust Coach Hall, if I'm a Southern Miss fan, to evaluate after the season. And I think if, if he sees that he's doing too much or maybe that it would be beneficial to have another guy um, helping um, on offense, you know, to hire an O.C., he would do that. He's not gonna. He's not gonna just, you know, keep calling plays and, and doing everything that he's doing now, um, because he wants to and because it's a pride thing. Uh, you know, he's he's going to do what is best. Um, I really believe that for this program. And so, if that if that's a change that needs to be made, he makes it. Um, if it's not, he doesn't. Uh, you know, and he has a lot of confidence in how he has run programs and built rebuilt programs. Um, he, he's you know mentioned that over and over again about the plan and uh, how he feels really good about it. And so maybe you see some shifts in that uh, towards the end of the year. Um, but I think it's another thing that, you know, you, you have to let the season play out uh, and then you see what you have and how you progressed and what you have a quarterback and, and how, you know, this, again, this is, this is year one, you know, and I know everyone knows that, but it's also really, really difficult um, to, to continue to hold that uh, against a lot of these frustrating results and, and want to blow everything up and, and change the way you do things. Um, it's year one. And so um, there are growing pains, especially when you're following a coach um, like Jay Hobson, who uh, just, just really trailed off and, and was not building, uh, you know, the program was going in the opposite direction. And so there's a lot to turn around um, and, um, yeah, so, so hopefully that, that answers that. I, I think that's just another thing you real reevaluate at the end of the year. And I feel like coach Hall makes the right decision there. Um, anything else on this game or do we want to talk about something? You no, know, I think that's there? about it. I think, uh, I think we covered it. Yeah. So we'll, we will, uh, we'll talk about some of these other results. Yeah. Um, so, uh, talked about our game if you if you just before we do that if you if you do have a question or a comment about um about the rice game we will go back to that yes um so yeah we talked about our game and then illinois beat charlotte 24 14 so illinois improves to a 500 against um cusa competition after losing to utsa Hmm. uh fau won 58 21 against fiu fiu's one and four um they've been well i guess they were They've had a couple competitive losses, but they're one and four. They're not. Like we said, that's going to be one of the your more uh, your more winnable games. Um, La Tech, another close, not quite as heartbreaking as their previous two losses, but they did lose a close one at NC State, top twenty-five NC State, thirty-four uh, twenty-seven. That was kind of a kind of back and forth. NC State was generally in control for most of the game, but uh, La Tech made it close. But yeah, I mean La Tech, so they lost that game at State by one who's receiving votes in the top 25 now after they beat A&M, and then they lost to SMU, who is in the top 25 on that Hail Mary. And then they just lost by touchdown at NC State, um, who's in the top 25 as well. So um, 
they have three, you know, really close losses to, um, you know, top 25 or at least fringe top 25 um, competition. So they're two and three, but, I mean, they really could easily be four and one um, or maybe five. I, I didn't really follow the NC State game. I don't know if there's a couple of plays that they got to swell up to. Uh, yeah, it looks like so. They got to the 22 of NC State, and they threw an interception. So they did have, I mean. And that was, I think that was with. Under ten seconds to play. Oh, so right, kind of, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean that was the the last. Um, last drive. I mean that was basically like a hail mary. I mean not quite as desperate as one because right. they had gotten pretty deep in NC State territory. But uh, yeah. So I mean not a bad result for La Tech. I think they're despite them being two and three. I mean I think you got to look at them as one of the three. I think the three best teams in the league are in the West. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, I would. Um, yeah, Marshall does not look right. to be um, what uh, what people thought they were. They thought. A lot of people thought they would run away with the East. You know, you have FAU and, and Western Kentucky, you know, thought would challenge for that. But East is wide open to me. And, and the, yeah, there are three clear favorites in the West. And I think just conference in general. So, yeah, I would, I would say that's accurate. Yeah. Um, UTSA uh, over UNLV 24-17. UNLV is actually winless. So, I mean, not super impressive by um, UTSA, given that, you know, we thought we were, they were one of the top five G5 teams possibly. But they did win, uh, avoided a bad loss to a winless UNLV team. So, uh, you know, a win's a win. And a lot of a lot of UTSA fans calling to be ranked in the top twenty-five. Not sure that result gets you in the top twenty-five. We're, I think they were were receiving votes. Yes. Last week. And that, yeah, they are. They still are this week. Yes. And so, um, I think you probably have to win a couple more to be ranked in the top twenty-five. But, yeah. Um, you you just. <laughs> Conference USA is so strange. You, you don't know what's going to happen, especially one game into the conference schedule uh, for most teams, I guess. Um, but the West, West to me, you, the, you take those two, th- three, those three teams, but there's not one favorite among those three teams to me. Um, so it, it, Conference USA is wide open. It's going to be complete chaos like it usually is. Um, yeah, and it, that – you know, to win one touchdown uh, by one touchdown against UNLV, that's um, to me more concerning than it is. You know, rank us for five and zero, uh, right? That kind of thing. Uh, MTSU beat Marshall thirty four twenty eight. I don't think this was actually uh, this. Yeah, so MTSU had a uh, a thir- twenty eight seven lead at one point. Uh, Marshall got a couple touchdowns late. They got one touchdown with about a minute left to make it look a little closer than it was. But I think MTSU is basically in control for most of the game. I uh, saw there's some tweet from like a Marshall fan. They were just kind of saying, "Yearning for the old Doc Holiday years." They were, had a joke. They were like, "Doc Holiday, uh, Ruffin McNeil, who's the coach at ECU, got rid of that they probably shouldn't have got rid of a couple years ago, and Ralph Friggen, who was the coach at Maryland that did some good things. Like Doc Holiday, Ralph Friggen, and uh, and uh, Ruffin McNeil all walk into a bar, kind of talking. Those are the three guys that teams shouldn't have got rid of, but uh, they got rid of. So they're uh, they're already kind of. Jumping off the uh, Charles Huff uh, what bandwagon. What was the fucking score to that again? 34-28. Yeah, but uh, MTSU uh, wins to go to 2-3. Uh, and three. Both those teams are 2-3 and three now. Um, and then I guess uh, the, maybe the game of the week in the league was the Liberty at UAB. That was the big, mm-hmm. uh, all the hoo-ha around the new uh, stadium, the new UAB stadium in Birmingham. Uh, looked like, a, let's see, what did they announce? 37-167. It says capacity is 4,700-plus. Um, 4, so, But 3,700, I mean, or 37,000, sorry. Um, that's a good crowd in CUSA. Um, yeah, you would expect that, though, with um, mm-hmm. the opener. But uh, 
yeah, Liberty won big, 36-12. So, uh, you got any thoughts on that? Or, or Liberty or I, – I, To me, Liberty is, is just really good. Um, I think they'd run away with Conference USA if, if they were in – if they had been able to buy their way into the league um, a few years ago, Malik Willis is, uh, I mean, we saw that mm-hmm. uh, a few years oh, ago. Yeah. One just unbelievably difficult to, to defend against and game plan against. Um, so to me, that's, that's more Liberty uh, being just high quality um, than it is UAB. Maybe being um, not as good as we thought they were um, to me, still one of those three teams in the West. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's, I think that makes um, these these results, and, and we'll keep going with them. Again, I think lends itself to, you know, maybe UTSA is not that great, maybe UAB is not that great, um, and you know, you can give or take LaTeX results because it's you still kind of have no idea about them. But that's a good team. But there's just even those those are the three teams to beat to me. They are very beatable in conference play. Um, through you know, with with most of the teams that they play, you saw that Marshall result. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with those other three, and so I, I think it's just going to be complete chaos. Yeah, I think with conference USA is, or really any group of five league, maybe you know at the top of the AC like a Cincinnati, this isn't true, but like conference mm-hmm. USA, like all these recruits are almost they're basically the same. Like these are all like three star. There's not a whole lot of separation in terms of just the raw talent. Like in the SEC, like if you put Alabama against Vanderbilt, like there's going to be a giant talent gap. Or even Alabama against Ole Miss or Georgia against Arkansas. I mean, yeah. There's still a massive gap, even among those top teams. Right, but if like UAB plays Old Dominion, like it wouldn't be that crazy for Old Dominion to hang in there for right. most of the game, whereas if Georgia plays, you know, like we saw Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. it's going to be 62 to nothing or something like that. Yes. So that just shows you it's USA a lot more parity than in those very uh, tip-top uh, leagues with the elite teams. Which I think is more entertaining. Than- yes, yeah. <laughs> Um, Western Kentucky, uh, or Michigan, Michigan State, mm-hmm. uh, 48-31, uh, kind of entertaining. Um, uh, I didn't watch the game, but it looked like it was entertaining. Uh, Western Kentucky, we talked about their air raid now. The, um, 488 passing yards for Bailey Zabba on 64 attempts for three touchdowns. So, uh, they threw it around the yard, uh, scored some points. Just, uh, they got behind a little too much against, uh, Michigan State. But, uh, I guess it, Impressive offensive uh, performance for the Hilltoppers. So. Yeah, they're gonna they're, they will be tough in the East. And correct me if I'm wrong, came out as a three or four point favorite against UTSA uh, this upcoming week. Uh, two and a half, yeah. Two and a half, yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So not uh, you know maybe a little unexpected, but that again lends itself to the parity that is in Conference USA. And is that where is that in Bowling Green? Yes. Okay. So that, that's. You know, probably a big reason why I guess you give or take the three points uh, for the home team. Um, but that that'll be that'll be a really interesting game next week. Um, Old Dominion and uh, UTEP talked about that a little bit. UTEP mm-hmm. won that twenty-eight twenty-one. Um, yeah, they uh, yeah they scored a touchdown with about seven minutes left to uh, to go up twenty-eight uh, twenty-one and uh, held off uh, ODU for the last uh, seven minutes or so. So. Uh, yeah, UTEP four and one. Um, just kind of going through their. Uh, I don't know if the uh, ESPN. I'm not sure ESPN projects them to win another game this year, even though they're four and one. Uh, let's say they play. Are they host Rice? They may project to win that. Yeah, okay. But I think I think even we're, uh, they ESPN does project us. They have us at about a seventy percent chance to win. Hmm. Um, so UTEP four and one. But like we're saying, it's kind of a. 
kind of a week four and one, just given who they played and uh, the one good team they played. Boise, they lost fifty four to thirteen there on on Friday night a couple weeks ago. So yep. uh, don't yeah don't be deceived by that uh, record. They're they're going to be one of the more beatable teams we have left. I think so. Yes, so another chance to improve and see who the heck plays quarterback. We certainly hope Tykes, um, his injury is not serious. Um, but we will we will break down um, that game in further detail. Uh, should be out late Wednesday, early Thursday, as always. Tomorrow, we are. I feel like the timing of this is so great um, because everyone is down. Great interview with Gerald McCrath. Um, that we recorded this past Wednesday. Um, that it just got me fired up. Uh, he is just a high energy guy, and that was a, a fantastic interview. Friend of the show, um, he, he's a great guy, and um, we appreciated him giving us some time. Um, so y'all be sure to go listen to that. That'll be out tomorrow uh, at some point. So follow us on Twitter again at Buzzardry Pod. If you do not follow us, that's where we will put out all of that information. Make one last check, see if we have any more comments. Uh, we don't. Anything else we need to talk about? Um, we'll start talking about basketball yeah. and stuff within these next couple of weeks. Yeah, and I wanted to do a big baseball, like fall ball preview. Maybe, I don't know when fall ball, either this week or next week. Um, or maybe during the bye. Or if we were gonna, yeah. Uh, so. yeah, yeah. so we'll, we'll, we will start to move into some of those other sports um, soon. As we keep on chugging right along on Buzzard Dream and football season. As always, we greatly appreciate you tuning in and interacting with us. Uh, I will tweet out a prompt for questions for our recorded episode this next week. Uh, again, go listen to the bonus episode with Gerald McCrath out tomorrow. Uh, for Patrick McGee, my name is Ben Mile, and this has been another episode of Buzzard Dream. Thanks for being with us. This has been Buzzer Dream. Thanks for listening, and be sure to share and leave a review. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Buzzer Dream Pod for all you need to know about the show. See you next time.